0: And for a scripture reading, we'll turn to the book of the Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon and the first chapter. And we'll read the first 12 verses of this chapter, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, right after Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Because of the fragrance of your good ointments, your name is ointment poured forth. Therefore the virgins love you. Draw me away, we will run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in you. We will remember your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. I am dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not look upon me because I am dark. Because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. But my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O fairest among women, Follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. I have compared you, my love, to the filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. While the king is at his table, my spikenard sends forth its fragrance. We'll leave off the reading there. Our focus this morning will be on mainly verses nine through eleven. Your congregation. So our focus this morning will be on verses nine through eleven of the first chapter of the Song of Solomon. And now as we consider, we've come through another week again. And often we can wonder, really, how it has gone with us as we see this woman here, this Shulamite woman. She had fears of of enemies and, and fears of of spiritual dangers. She had she has the worries about her own heart and how she sees her own life has been been marred and by her own sin. And maybe you see another communion season coming now, another. Sunday, where we have the Lord's Supper table in front of us, and you maybe wonder, what does God really think about me? What does He really see in me? Because there is no worthiness in ourselves. And you can feel sometimes so battle weary as Christians. And yet there's that, like that Shulamite woman, there's that desire and that cry in your heart for God, who you know, you love, and you seek His favor, and you seek His help and blessing. And it is here specifically where the Lord shows who He is for His people, and where He shows precisely for those who feel so unworthy in themselves of who He is, and he comes to to show his affection for his weary bride. And that's our theme for this morning Christ's affection for his weary bride. And we see in verse nine already how Christ shows his affection by comparing her to, to the most prized, to the most esteemed and valued possession that they had. In verse 9, it says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Now, the horses of, of Egypt were known as to be the best, the stateliest horses that the, that the countries knew. Solomon himself had about 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, it says, and these most likely would have been imported from, from Egypt. And so here, horses are, are a picture of strength. They're a picture of, of beauty. They were swift. They're full of enthusiasm. And they, they were fearless in, in battle. They're used both for war, but also for, for the majestic grandeur of the king to parade in his, in his chariot. And you can imagine that Pharaoh, who had to pick of all the horses, would have chosen the best of the best uh, to pull his chariot. Now, Christ says, I've compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. I've compared you to the one exceptional one, the best of the best of the best. You who here have come here this morning maybe feeling battle-weary. with another week has passed and you feel your... Your sins have risen up against you. And you confess with this Shulamite woman in verse 5, I am dark but lovely, like the tents of Kedar. And she says to the others, do not look upon me because I'm dark. My own vineyard I have not kept. She's comparing herself to the dark tents that are made of goat's hair, which are often dark and black, and especially in the, the sun and the dust, they get very filthy, dirty, wither, weathered, and black and darkened by the stain of my sin. I've not watched over my soul as I should have. I see so much sin still within me. I find anger and bitterness, bitter words are spoken. I see lack of love to my children. I see impatience with others, even at work. I see lack of zeal for the Lord. Lack of devotion to spend time with God. I see the busyness of my week and how much time I spent in everything else and yet never found hardly a moment to spend time with God. Maybe some of us here even quickly had to prepare saturday night remembering suddenly that it was the lord's supper the next day you feel your sin your blackness i have not kept myself on top of that you've probably faced many questions or even disdain of other christians we know how hard it is in this in this world to to live as a godly example, and so often we see unbelievers who, who live a more charitable life than we do. And this woman says, in verse five, "I am dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not look upon me because I'm dark." Even other Christians can look on you with disdain, and, and the question is say, "Why are you going around like that? Why are you going around so sad and troubled? Why does your life look like this? Why do you do that? They don't understand what you're going through. They don't understand the burdens of your heart. They cannot see any beauty that is hidden within. And they wonder, where's your happiness? And if you are a Christian, why are you not rejoicing? But more than that, there are even those either within or without the churches who who oppress you. As she has to say here, I'm dark because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. In verse six, they made me the keeper of the vineyards. Your heart is burdened for the care of others, but often you feel trampled on and oppressed by the careless and insensitive nature and attitude of others. You see, the other many others living in a careless. negligent life without a concern for their own soul or anyone else's you live it with a burdened heart for for the souls of those who so easily turn away from God you live with a burden for the young children who live in such a troubled world and yet despite what you think of yourself or despite of what others think of you God Here Christ says he highly values you. I have compared you, he says, my love to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. And horses here then again were the the strength the the picture of strength and of zeal, like the armies of Pharaoh with all those horses and chariots pursuing Israel, it frightened Israel. And in Job thirty-nine, God says the horse has strength that his neck is clothed with thunder. His snorting strikes terror into the enemies. He mocks at fear and is not frightened. And Christ said, I have compared you to the finest of the mightiest war horses. He says there is strength and there is power against those who revile and persecute you. You have strength against the enemy. He says, do not fear those who can kill only the body. You have strength to love those who hate you. You have power and strength to overcome sin. Not in yourself, but through the Holy Spirit which He gives. Even though you might find yourself despised in the world, Christ sets His love upon you. And even though you grieve about your own sin, you don't feel like a mighty warhorse. You don't feel like one who overcomes in battle. Still Christ says, I have set my love. I have compared you, my love, precious in the sight of the Lord. And so you are drawn to Him. There is a desire and a need in your heart for Him, for the favor of of Christ, for the blessing of Christ, knowing that all your strength comes from Him. In verse 7, she says, Tell me, O you whom I love, and your cry goes out to Him, to the one your heart loves. <clears throat> but then, secondly, Christ further displays His affection by the ornaments He decorates you with. He <clears throat> He calls you my love, the king, and the shepherd who, who, who shows his affection for his bride. He hears a, a love that that passes all understanding, as Jesus had said in John fifteen, that as a Father loved me, so I love you. A love that comes from the Trinity in heaven. In John, He said in John 15, 3, that greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And this is exactly what the Lord Jesus demonstrated. As He laid down His life for such unkempt, darkened sinners, blackened with their own sin. He laid down His, lo- his life even before there was any love in your heart for Him. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as God told His people in Israel in number seven, the Lord did not set His love upon you because you were so great. It's not because He saw anything in you. But He says, but because the Lord loved you. For reasons found only in Himself, He set His love upon you. So in the midst of all your darkness and the blackness of your sin, you realize as this woman does in verse 5, I am dark, but lovely. Like the curtains of Solomon, she says. That there is a beauty inside which Christ sees. A beauty that the daughters of Jerusalem here could not see. That you yourself Feel the weakness of your own flesh. But Christ says in in verse 10, your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Though you have infirmities, though you see yourself as black and others see nothing but the blackness of your life, Christ is the one who declares His people lovely. And this is the beauty of grace. The hidden beauty in the heart. That Christ has set His love upon you despite who you were. That Christ loves you not for who you were, but for whom He will make you. For His own namesake. And if in this verse Solomon is still thinking of the horses when he says, Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments and your neck with chains of gold. The, the war horses were decorated with ornaments of gold and, and silver. The layers upon layers of, of ornaments that would be put on these on these horses. And Christ displays His love by, by covering all your infirmities with, with layers upon layers of His ornaments of grace. As He says in 1 Corinthians, But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Rows upon rows of ornaments that He places upon His people. Perfect righteousness to cover all your blackness and all your unrighteousness. His, his sanctification to, to overcome your failures little by little as you fail to keep your own vineyard. In Ezekiel 16, God says, I adorned you with ornaments. I put bracelets on your wrist and a chain upon your neck. And here He's he's speaking to His people Israel of what He has done for them in His grace. And if there was any blemish in these horses still, uh, these ornaments would, would cover it and they would draw any attention away from it. But in Christ He says you are given ornaments. Ornaments of a love to God. As He says in verse 7, You who I love. Ornaments of a new obedience to God. If you love me, keep my commandments, the Lord Jesus says. Ornaments of wisdom of God in this world that seeks only to pursue the wisdom of men. Ornaments of modesty and of purity and of chastity in a crooked and a perverse world. Ornaments of the fruit of the Spirit. Like a fruit tree bearing fruit to God of, of virtue and of knowledge and of self control, of godliness. All these ornaments that don't come from yourself, but that God puts on you imparted through Christ. Every gift is a gift. Every grace is a gift, an ornament given by God. And Christ sees in His bride and you who trust in His name a beauty that this world would hate and persecute, But he sees in you a loveliness that even other Christians often cannot see and you yourself often don't find. I am dark, but lovely. Lovely in the eyes of Christ. Is that your confession? Is that your desire? Does it fill you with that humility seeing your own shortcomings? an inability to produce any ornaments to God's glory, but does it fill you with faith to come to God before every blessing? Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. At this table, Christ expresses that love to you, reminding you again of how He laid down His life to purchase, these ornaments for you with His own blood. And that's why as I read last week in the forum, it says we do not come to the supper to declare that we are perfect or righteous in ourself, but on the contrary, groaning under the body of this death, we seek our life outside of ourselves, in Jesus Christ. We come even confessing the many faults that we have, that we do not have perfect faith, that we do not have sufficient zeal, that we still struggle with the weakness of our own faith and the evil lusts of our flesh. But it is here that Christ receives you in grace and mercy. Even more than receiving. He says, I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. More than just receiving, Christ showers His blessings upon you to show who you are to Him who are in Christ. Christ seeks His own work of salvation in you. He sees the soul who He has loved from eternity, the soul on whom He has set His love, the soul for whom He has suffered and bled and died on the cross to redeem, the soul who He decorates with ornaments of His grace. He sees what He is making you into. It's such that Christ invites to this table. Yes, dark. Yes, despised. Yes, rejected in this world. Full of shortcomings and weakness. But prized in the eyes of Christ. And still Christ does not stop here. If He would, I fear, we would also lose every ornament He ever gave. And We see thirdly that He shows His affection in verse 11 with the promise of increasing those ornaments. He says, We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. The work of salvation is a work that He has begun. And it's a work that He will finish. The triune God, the Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit will finish that work which He has for you begun. We will make you ornaments. The Lord, He takes delight in His bride. The king's horses were decorated with the most beautiful ornaments in the country. The king wants His horses and His chariots to look magnificent and glorious. And Christ sees His bride, His love, and delight, He sees in her value and beauty and magnificence and glory. And still you say, how? You come to this table and you say, don't look at me because I am black. But God says in Hosea 14, because I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from them. It is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that God sets His love upon you. That His anger has been turned away from you because of that one sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He loves you freely because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He will heal your backslidings even of this past week by His Holy Spirit for the sake of Christ. And He will draw you to Himself. We will make you ornaments. No, it's not even just giving you ornaments. It's make. Because in Ephesians 2, he says, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He's the one who who makes you what you are not in yourself and what you cannot produce ourselves. But it's God through the power of His Holy Spirit who makes His people to be what He needs them to be. And again, Ezekiel 16 says, I will put a beautiful crown on your head. That crown of righteousness which the believers receive at conversion as, as their inheritance, but in eternity as their possession. As Paul says in Second Timothy, that there's a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to him. And so it's here at this table where Christ strengthens You, where He reminds you of what He has done for you and what He is continuing to do. Because He knows how prone we are to doubt and to fear and to see our shortcomings. And so He here promises to adorn you and those who have come with such a hunger and with such a thirst for His grace will certainly be fed. His Holy Spirit is sent to indwell and sanctify you so that one day Christ also can present you as His glorious and His holy church without spot and without wrinkle before His Father in heaven. Even though in this life we can be troubled by opposition or misunderstanding, we can feel our own darkness we are still made to confess i'm dark but lovely We walk in humility saying don't look upon me there's nothing to see here nothing in my life no ornaments of the world to glitter here in the sun nothing to dazzle the spectators as i walk by in this world but in the eyes of christ you know you shine your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck and with chains of gold. And one day you can be presented before God with rows upon rows of ornaments to Christ as that perfect bride. Is that what you need today? Is that what you need, weary bride of Christ? As your hearts say, tell me where I can find the one who my soul loves. Well, it is here even at this table where Christ delights to meet His bride, His people who often are oppressed and troubled. Come to receive of Christ, even as the psalmist says, I will take of the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Come with humility, come with faith, with a hunger and a thirst in what Christ alone can provide For your soul. Amen.